Maintaining your mental health as a content creator is the most important thing you can do in your career. When we see other content creators and influencers online, the lifestyle can seem glamorous and exciting, but in reality, it's way more stressful and demanding than it might appear. The hustle culture has made us feel like we have to go 24-7 to make movement in our business, but that's just not the case. Actually, sometimes taking a step back can lower your stress and enhance your creativity, which we talked about in our podcast episode last week, so you should check that out. Let's all stop with the go, go, go and learn how to say no, no, no when it's starting to negatively impact our mental health. Keep listening to this week's episode as we dive into mental health for content creators and how to keep our sanity as we spend the majority of our time on social media. Welcome to the Creator Club podcast produced by Creatorly Media. I'm your host, Katie Steckley. I'm a side hustle YouTuber turned six-figure CEO that's obsessed with social media, making content, and building communities. Here on the Creator Club podcast, we dive deep into the social media and content creation strategies that are important to you as a creator. Whether you want to grow on Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, or with a podcast, we've got advice for you. So stay tuned for my workshop style solo shows and the occasional expert interview. Oh, and by the way, this club is open to everyone. Whether you have one or 1 million followers, there's a seat for you at the table. So let's get into it. Welcome back to the Creator Club podcast. It is so good to be sitting down to chat with y'all again this week. This week's episode is one that is really close to my heart because I've talked about this on the podcast before, so you might have heard about this, but in the summer of 2021, I hit probably my lowest point in terms of my mental health, and a lot of it was because of stress from my work as a content creator and as a online business owner. I reached just this ultimate point of burnout and I really lost a little bit of my identity for a minute there because I had gone from a place of loving my work and enjoying it so much and like living the dream to all of a sudden feeling like I just wish I could quit. This is so overwhelming. This doesn't make me happy anymore. And it's because for too long I was not prioritizing my mental health and instead just trying to hustle and grind and keep on going. And so through reaching that point of burnout and then, you know, going to therapy, taking some time back to myself and just kind of reflecting on the journey that brought me there, I realized different strategies for taking care of your mental health as a content creator that can hopefully help to prevent you ending up in a similar situation as I did. So I feel like about a year later now from that ultimate low point, I've really reached a better balance and it's it's taken probably about a year to recover fully from that burnout and to get to a spot where I don't feel just this like desperation and discouragement. So I just share that personal anecdote to start us off today because I want you to know that this kind of thing, the consequences of not taking care of yourself as a creator are pretty significant. You can end up in a spot where you don't feel creative, you don't feel motivated, and when you're in 
a job where you kind of have to motivate yourself to get stuff done, nobody else is giving you deadlines or requirements, then it can be a really bad spot for you and your business and your livelihood if you don't feel that motivation and creativity. So really, this is like the ultimate challenge for content creators. And I really do think it is of the utmost importance that you consider your mental health along this journey and find good strategies for taking care of yourself and staying creative so that you can stay on this path and keep on growing. So in today's episode, I'm gonna share a number of tips that have really helped me in my journey um, of kind of finding more work-life balance as a content creator and really finding ways to look out for my mental health, which have then in turn given me that motivation and energy and enthusiasm to keep pursuing this career. So I'm really excited to share these with you and I hope that they can help you out along your journey as well. So let's dive into the very first tip, which is to just say no. And I know this is not from like an anti-drug campaign from the 80s. Um, it is it is a helpful phrase, though, in this situation, too, if you can get over the cheesiness. So here we go. My first tip on how to keep saying is by really, truly learning how to say no. I personally really hate saying no. And I know like admitting that publicly on the internet is probably setting myself up for failure because now y'all can like approach me with like your sob stories and requests and I'll like have a really hard time saying no to you but I'm sharing this with you in trust that you won't take advantage of it but seriously I have a really hard time saying no to anyone you can just call me Jim Carrey from yes man because for the majority of my content creation career I've just been saying yes to pretty much everything. Interviews on podcasts, speeches, workshops, events, brand deals, collaborations, clients that maybe aren't really the best fit. And even outside of my business, I tend to say yes to things in my personal life, whether it's like volunteer opportunities or helping my family out with this or that, that deep down, I would maybe rather not do, but I just, I'm a bit of a people pleaser. I'll be honest. And Maybe you can relate to that. It's really hard to, you know, say no and you feel like you're letting somebody down, even if you're maybe not. So when you're a people pleaser and maybe you have a little bit of FOMO, fear of missing out like me, it's really hard to kind of stick to your guns and say no to something, even when you kind of know it would be best if you did. So I've been working away on this saying no skill. And one thing I recommend is when someone comes to you and they ask you to do something, I want you to start asking yourself these questions before you reply. And, you know, most of the time these days you get asked to do stuff over email. So it's asynchronous. You can take a step back and consider this before you reply. Um, But I also recommend if you do get asked, you know, in person on a phone call, on a Zoom call or whatever, to maybe just say to the person, hey, thank you so much for thinking of me for this. Do you mind if I just, you know, take some time to consider it and, and get back to you? And then take a step back ask yourself these questions. So the first one is, will this bring me joy? I know not every single thing that we're going to do in our careers or our businesses is going to be the most joyful. Sometimes you got to do stuff just because you got to do it. But if it's an optional opportunity, that's not something like, you know, paying your bills or answering your emails or whatever, really like ask yourself, will this bring me joy? Is it worth taking on the extra time commitment and stress? Maybe it is if it will bring you joy. The second question is, do I have time to participate in this activity? Like really 
truly do you have time? Because our schedules are all full. Look at your Google Calendar. I'm sure it's filling up. You want to make sure that you realistically have time not only to, you know, let's say attend the event, be there for, you know, the podcast interview, whatever it might be, but also what about the time that you're going to need to take to prepare yourself adequately for it? Like really try to get a realistic portrait of the time required and consider if you have that time. The next question is, will it move the needle in my business? Really try to think about if this is going to have a positive impact for you. I mean, sometimes if you have the time and it'll bring you joy, it's not necessary that it's beneficial to your business because sometimes it is just, it's good to do favors for other people if you have the capacity, but you don't want to overwhelm yourself with it. But especially if you're not sure that it's going to be particularly joyful or if you know you're going to be kind of pushing your schedule in order to do it, maybe it's still worthwhile if it's going to be super beneficial to your business. I know I've definitely kind of used that as my like final parameter when I've been making decisions in the past. So you kind of have to weigh that out and decide like, is this going to be helpful in the growth and development of your business? Okay. And the next question is, will this be beneficial to me? Like I was saying, it's always great to do favors for other people, uh, but if you're like me, then probably more often than not, you lean towards doing stuff simply because it's good for somebody else and not necessarily because it's actually good for you. So even if you're going to end up deciding to do something for the benefit of somebody else, I support you in that. That's cool. But I think it's good to ask yourself, will this be beneficial to me? And then you at least acknowledge you've kind of intentionally thought about how it impacts you before you said yes or no. And then finally, you want to ask yourself, is this something that will make a difference in a movement that I support? You know, maybe it's not beneficial to your business or to you. Maybe you're going to be pushing yourself to have the time to do it. But if it's going to have a really positive impact in the world that you really believe in, sometimes it is worth the sacrifice. So if you answered no to all or most of the questions that I just described, it might be a sign that you should pass. For example, someone might reach out to you to participate in a function for an amazing charity that you love. So yes, it would bring you joy, it would make a difference in a movement that you support, but if you answered no to do I have time to participate in this activity, you might have to pass and instead maybe offer a donation or ask them to reach out for future functions. So it's just important that you really think through these decisions before you just throw a yes out there because you feel like it'll make the person who's asking happy and and really consider your own capacity when you're making those decisions. Now, I'll be honest, I'm not the type of person that's going to advocate that you just start saying no to everything and start to only ever put yourself first and, you know, like I was saying, never sacrifice your time or your energy or whatever for somebody else. Like, I do think that's a good human kind thing to do, but it's important that all of this is done in moderation and that you're not burning yourself out just because you kind of feel like you should say yes to somebody else. And also in a lot of these situations as people pleasers, we can really feel like what we're being asked is like the most important thing in the world to the person who's asking us, like we really feel like this is do or die. But in nine times out of 10, if you say no to the person who's asking, they'll probably receive that no and be like, oh, okay, I'll go ask someone else. So I think sometimes we can build it up in our minds to be a lot bigger of a deal than it actually is. So the point of this tip is just 
us to really consider your yeses before you hand them out to every single person that comes knocking and think about the implications of each commitment that you make. And hopefully through kind of using this process, you'll be able to narrow down your commitments and not overcommit yourself. Thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of Creator Club. Squarespace is the best all-in-one platform on the internet for building your brand and business online. Personally, I've been using Squarespace for several years now to host my personal brand website and the website for my social media agency, Creatorly Media. Not only can you effortlessly create a beautifully designed website using Squarespace, but they also have a ton of helpful features for growing online brands and businesses. My top three faves? Number one, the online store. Seriously, this is the easiest way to start selling products or services online. I use my Squarespace store to sell Instagram audits, Lightroom presets, Notion templates, and more. Number two, the blogging and RSS feed tools. Did you know that this podcast is hosted on a Squarespace site? It's so easy to create a combo blog and podcast with Squarespace's user-friendly blogging feature. And number three, the analytics. I'm able to quickly analyze my site traffic and figure out how I can optimize my marketing strategies to get more eyes where I want them most, on my website. Trust me when I say Squarespace has been a total game changer in my online business, and I know it will be for yours too. I've been recommending Squarespace to my friends and clients for years now, and now I'm excited to share it with you as well. And with a special discount, you can go to squarespace.com slash creator club to grab a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your site, you can use my exclusive offer code creator club for 10% off your first purchase of a domain or website. That's squarespace.com slash creator club and offer code creator club for 10% off. Check out Squarespace and start building your online brand and business today. The second tip that I have to share with you is limiting your screen time. So as creators in our world, screens are everything. It's the way we create. It's the way we communicate, find our own entertainment, like in our downtime, but it's also how we run our businesses and so much more. We are so consumed by our screens that it sometimes can seem impossible to just set down our phones and walk away. But one of the best ways to find calm in the chaos is to set limits for ourselves. We don't need to be on our screens all the time, but it's hard to stop, right? Recently, I set a few limits for myself regarding screen times and work, and it's really, really helped my state of mind. So I wanted to share a few of these tips with you. So the first one is to set limits on your phone. So personally, I use an iPhone, um, but I'm sure that like Androids and other devices also have options around this. But I know on your iPhone, there's a few settings that you can use that can kind of set you up for success when you're trying to look at your screen a little less often. So one of those is to schedule time away from the screen. So in screen time, you can block apps and notifications for periods when you want time away from your devices. Because we all know if you hear that little notification sound, you're going to go look at your phone. Okay, it requires a seriously like inhuman amount of willpower to not go and pick up your phone if you hear that little ding. So actually for myself, I keep my phone on silent like almost all the time, like 99.9% of the time. And I only turn it off silent mode if I know I'm like, you know, waiting for a call to come in because somebody's going to be arriving at my house. I need to go out and meet them or something like very special occasions. So I recommend considering that for yourself too. Like literally 
turn off all the sounds on your phone. <laughs> Sometimes I joke that like if my phone makes a single sound, I'm going to throw it out the window because I will like get so annoyed by it because it just it really does distract you. It pulls you away from whatever you're doing. So whether you do it all the time or just for periods of time, you can go into screen time in your settings and you can block apps and notifications for time when you want to be away from your phone. So for example, you might want to schedule downtime during meals or maybe when you go to sleep. So you can go to settings, screen time, and then turn on screen time if you haven't already. Then you can tap on downtime and then turn on downtime as well if you haven't. And then you can basically select the days or you know customize the times when you want downtime to be turned on on your phone. Another really great feature that iPhones have is that you can set limits for certain apps that you use. So you can set a time limit for a category of apps, like for example, like social media platforms, or you can go in and set time limits on specific apps. I don't know about you, but there are a few apps that cause me the most issues when it comes to sucking me into my phone. For me, this is really like TikTok and Instagram, but for some people it might also be like email, maybe like Twitter or something like that. So. If you feel like you need a little reminder of when you've spent too much time on an app, then it might be helpful to set up a screen time limit. So I have both my Instagram and TikTok set for an hour and a half limit each day. And um, it's pretty embarrassing, but I'll admit that I hit that a lot of days, like a lot. And uh, yeah, I'll be honest, a lot of times I'll tap turn off screen time limit for today or remind me in another 15 minutes or whatever. But I think it's good because at least, because at least it gives you a reflection point to be like, okay, this is how much time I've spent on here today. And then you can kind of intentionally make the choice to either continue or not. So to set this up for yourself, you can go to settings, screen time, again, turn on screen time if you haven't already, and then you can tap on app limits and then add limit. And then you can either select an app or select an app category tap next and then you can set the amount of time allowed and to set an amount of time for each day you can tap customize days and then set limits for specific days and then when you finish setting all this up you can tap add and then you can keep on going and like add more specific limits for different apps or categories and there's actually even more like tips and tricks for how you can use screen time to help regulate your use of your phone. And I'm actually going to link this cool article from Apple support in the show notes that you can check out that detail all the instructions that I just described and some more tips and tricks too. So definitely go check that out. Another main strategy that I've used in limiting my own screen time, or at least the type of screen time that kind of causes me a lot of stress was getting help from my team. Now, I know this won't work for everyone because not everybody's in a position like I am, um, but something that I've done recently is really started leaning on the folks in my team to kind of take care of some of those areas of business that honestly did not require me to be a part of. But if you're a business owner, you might relate to the fact that you, you kind of feel this responsibility to be involved a little bit in everything. And if you've been doing it for a while, then you might as well just keep doing it. And you almost like feel bad delegating, but it kind of came to the point where I had to pass things off so that I wouldn't just completely burn out again. So I found that one of the biggest factors that was really impacting my mental health was the anxiety that I was feeling around um, my inbox. 
I would catch myself checking my email the moment that I woke up and then would constantly be having the tab open throughout the day. And then my heart would sink as soon as I saw a notification show up on the tab because I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Like who has like an emergency? Who's complaining? What do I need to fix? And so then of course I would jump over to the tab right away, worried that there was like a fire to put out or treating all emails like they were this urgent, urgent thing, even though they're not. So once I started to realize like this was really a problem for me, I decided to chat with one of my team members and we created a new system. So shout out to Shelby. Shelby now is kind of my go-to person for checking the emails that I used to handle myself. And so she responds to the ones that she can, vets all my brand deal requests, and then basically just texts me if there's anything that I personally need to take on. So now I only check that main business inbox if it's necessary, like if she lets me know that I need to. And then I created a separate email for communicating with the team and anything that's kind of more personal to me. So I've got my own little safe inbox that I know is stuff that I can handle. And then I'm able to leave the stuff that like, I don't really need to deal with. Um, and that I very much so trust Shelby to take care of. And that's just really, really helped me out a lot. I think once I finally made that change, it made me realize just how much it was getting to me, uh, because I feel so much more like energetic and creative and just less anxious. Um, and it was just like one pretty small change in the grand scheme of things. Cause that's the thing. Sometimes these things that we're dealing with on our screens, like emails or checking social media or your comments or your DMS or whatever, they can have a much more outsized impact on your mental health than they're actually taking up in your time. So even if I said to myself, Oh, well, it really only takes me 20 minutes a day to reply to these emails you know, in reality, I'm spending like five or six hours a day feeling anxious about whether or not I'm going to have emails I need to reply to. So sometimes even the smallest things, it can seem silly, but they can have a massive impact on your focus, your creativity and your mental health. So if you are able to get help, then never feel bad about doing that. Another tactic that can help you with your screen time and how often you know, you're know you checking some of these things that can be more distracting is calendar blocking. So another way you can set these limits is by blocking time for specific activities in your calendar. This really goes back to the same concept of say only checking your inbox once in the morning and once in the afternoon. It's setting specific times during the day that you perform these screen-based activities. And when I'm talking about that, I really mean like these kinds of things that interrupt us and, and distract us because really everything that I do for work is on a screen. It's on my laptop screen, like editing videos or, you know, writing scripts or whatever it might be. Um, but some of those things are, are less distracting than others. They're more like deep work, whereas things like um, checking email or checking Instagram are kind of screen time interruptions to your creativity and productivity. So I think when it comes to those things, it's really helpful to set limits around when you're actually going to go ahead and do them and make it kind of like a checklist that you can tick off and say, okay, I checked my emails done rather than it having kind of this like open tab in your brain all day where you're like checking it all the time. You want it to be a finite 
commitment. So here's just an example of how you might be able to set this up in your own schedule. So let's say in your average workday, you've got a morning block, an afternoon block, and then say for personal time, you've got your evening block. So in the morning, let's say from nine to 9.30, you'd put in your calendar, check emails. And then after you finish dealing with what needs to be dealt with in your inbox there, you're gonna close that tab and you're not gonna look at it for the rest of the morning. And then let's say you have another time block that's like 9.30 to 10 for posting to your Instagram story and responding to DMs and comments. Then once you're finished doing that Instagram stuff, you're gonna put down your phone and then you're gonna focus on the creative work that you're really trying to focus on. This way you're not just like keeping your phone like constantly, you know, with the notifications on and you're picking it up all the time. Like you're gonna have a finite amount of time that you've set aside and you've said, look, this is when I'm gonna spend time on Instagram. And then otherwise you work on your other stuff. Okay, so let's say your afternoon block would be like 1 to 1.30. Again, post on Instagram and reply to any DMs or comments. And then you'd have another time slot from 4 to 4.30 for checking emails again. Trust me, there's not going to be that much urgent stuff between 9.30 and 4. Like, it's okay. You can get back to these things when you check your email next. And it's going to really open up your mental space for doing more creative stuff in between. Okay, then let's say your evening screen time blocks would look like from 5 to 5.15. Scrolling on social media for fun, it's like you finish your work day, you're going to check in and see what's been going on in the feeds for the day, what people have been up to. And then let's say from 7 to 8, you watch your current show that you're binging on Netflix. Now, this is just a random example, and realistically, like you might spend more time on screens than that. That's okay. Like This is kind of like a idealistic version. Um, but it might be something to work towards if you feel like you need to, yeah, stop looking at screens so often. This is just to give you an example though, of how, like, if you're intentional about your time and you kind of block in and say, this is when I'm going to watch my show. This is when I'm going to scroll on Instagram. Then you're still doing that. It's not like you're cutting yourself off cold Turkey, but you've kind of already fit it into your schedule and you know, okay, well, this is when I'm going to do it. And this is when I'm not going to do it. And it'll help you feel less stressed and also be more productive. Okay, my next big suggestion for you, if you feel like you are spending too much time online and that is negatively impacting your mental health, is to get a screenless hobby. Do you have hobbies outside of using a device? If not, it's time to find some. Or if you already have a few listed in your head, it's time to give them more of your time. Here's the struggle. If you limit your time on screens, but then aren't replacing that time with something else, you will fall into the old trap of getting antsy and naturally grabbing your phone, opening up those common apps that draw you in. So you need to find another way to spend your time. One of my favorite things to do is simply go on a walk with a friend or meet up with a friend at a coffee shop. It doesn't always have to be something crazy or expensive, just something that pulls you away from a screen. Just for fun, here are a few screenless hobbies that you can try out if you're drawing a blank right now. Number one, thrifting. This is one of my favorites and something I need to make more time for, honestly. Obviously, this isn't for everyone, but something I used to do all the time would be scroll through Pinterest, which, yes, is screen time. So block some time for that earlier in your week before you go thrifting. And you can find some outfits that you just love or even some cool room decor and then hit up some local thrift shops to try to recreate those looks. Another fun hobby is reading. 
the great thing about reading is you can really do this anywhere. So my favorite thing, if you want to go like romanticize your life and like, I don't know, feel like you're the main character in a movie is grab a picnic blanket, head to your local park and then go set up there with like your favorite beverage, like an iced coffee or something and spend a couple hours reading your book there. It'll feel like, you know, something to do rather than, you know, like imagine that compared to just scrolling on TikTok, sitting on your couch at home, going to read in the park feels like a thing, you know, an event. And I really enjoy doing that. So consider adding that to your evening plans instead of just endlessly scrolling. And another thing you can try out is gardening or taking care of your house plants. Maybe it's time to just learn something new, learn a new skill. Maybe you want to get a few house plants and start studying how to care for them. Or if you have the space, maybe you could have a small garden outside. I would love that. That sounds so fun. Once you have house plants or a garden, you will have a way to spend your time caring for and tending to your plants and that won't require looking at screens at all how lovely how beautiful so these are just a few suggestions but find what works best for you that will keep you busy and bring you joy and it'll keep you away from your screen as well okay the last thing that i want to impart unto you if you are a creator who is struggling with your mental health this is something that you need to remember not following trends is okay in the world of content creation, we feel the push to follow trends in our specific niche or industry so we can make sure our content is always up to date. But you don't have to be on top of every trend. Here's a little affirmation for you to repeat to yourself. My content creator business will not fail if I miss a trend. Just like say that to yourself in the mirror a couple times a week and just remember you don't have to chase trends all the time. Instead of feeling like you have to do trend research every day, which y'all, we all know that trend research means like scrolling on TikTok or scrolling on reels. So instead of trying to do that every day, I suggest picking maybe one day a week or even just doing this bi-weekly where you block a specific time to do an hour or so of scrolling specifically with the intention of looking for new trends. In the spirit of spending less time on screens, I also suggest having a checklist that you follow during this time so you make sure you're getting the most out of your research time slot um, instead of just aimless scrolling. So here's a suggestion of what this kind of like trend research checklist might look like for you. So step one, check news sources in your industry. Since I chat a lot about social media, the first place I always go to is Adam Masseri's Instagram page. This is because he's the head of Instagram and is constantly providing details on the latest Instagram updates and news. So I'll go check out his profile and see if there's anything there that I like kind of need to comment on, you know, like what, what's he talking about, right? Then I also check out the Later blog. Um, I talked about Later a lot on this podcast. It's a social media scheduling software, um, but they also have a great blog that features news and the latest reels trends and updates about social media. They even have a, a weekly blog where they share trending reels audios that you can use with links and stuff. So that's a really great resource for any niche, really. Um, but the point is your first kind of go to spot on your checklist of research is like figuring out what the latest news is. OK, so step two is to check out influencers that you love with this one, especially instead of going to the Instagram or YouTube channel of a content creator in your niche, I suggest checking out people that aren't in your niche. 
but seeing what style of content they're creating that seems to be doing really well. Maybe it's a trend you can replicate in your own style or topic. So what I love about this is, you know, drawing inspiration from creators that you just like to watch for the sake of their content, not because they're your like competition or whatever, because you might be able to grab trends from like an adjacent niche and then kind of give it a fresh spin in your own niche, which will be more unique. And finally, step three on this checklist is to look for topics that are successful in your own niche. So now that you've gone outside of your niche, it's time to go back home and look at what topics are popping off with your you know, typical crowd that makes the same kind of content as you. For example, I recently posted about how I created my Instagram reel covers. So if someone in my niche needed inspiration and saw this reel was doing well for me, then they might make their own version of this. But of course, sharing how they create their reels covers and doing their own unique spin with the video style or a different sound or showing their own preferred method. So if you bust through these research tactics, it should only take you about 30 minutes to make a list of things that are trending currently in your niche. So you can keep your content timely without having to spend all your time on your phone. So this is just a bonus reminder to close out the episode that we are all in this together. Every single content creator, big or small, has and is struggling to find that balance to keep their sanity. So if you are just really struggling and need some support, reach out to a fellow content creator to talk about it because I bet they felt the same way or maybe they're still feeling that way. If y'all want an episode about how to find and build a content creator network, then let us know by sending us a DM to our Instagram, either at Creatorly Media or at Creator Club Podcast. We've just recently relaunched the Creator Club Podcast Instagram, and we've been posting more fresh content over there. So make sure you connect with us there and let us know, yeah, if you'd want to hear more about the process of kind of building up your own creator community, because that can be such a good resource for staying encouraged and like finding other people to relate to the struggles that you're working through. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, y'all. And I will catch you in the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the Creator Club podcast. This show is produced by Creatorly Media, a social media and content marketing agency by creators for creators. If you want professional help growing your social media platforms or creating your content, come visit us at creatorlymedia.com or at creatorlymedia on Instagram. If you've listened this far into the episode, we want to know who you are. Seriously, thank you so much for listening. Screenshot your podcast app and share it to your Instagram story, tagging at Creatorly Media or at Katie Steckley so that we can chat. Again, thanks for listening and remember to keep on creating. We'll catch you next time.